trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a nuisance to the earth, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation altogether. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded. Faithful in all things. Let each of his speech be the husband of one wife. Managing their children in their own households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Verses 4 Morning, everyone. My name's Mike. Um, great to have you here, especially as already faces. So if it's your first time at church, welcome. We hope it's not a scary or awkward experience. We've got some lovely people at our church. And uh, today we're, we, we're just looking at the Bible passage, 1 Timothy chapter 3. So I encourage you just to have that in front of you so you can follow along. Um, every now and then, come across a Bible passage which presents a conundrum. The conundrum is something like this. The passage speaks about a topic particular verse which sparks a lot of interest in people's minds, and uh, the point 
time. But in that Anglican church, you're sitting in an Anglican church right now, we have three recognized offices in the church. And there's, at the top, we've got bishops, we have these things called presbyters, we have deacons. So there's three recognized official roles in the Anglican church. So we met a couple of these guys in the quiz. Um, up the top uh, left is our archbishop, who sort of heads up all the bishops. Um, his name is Kanishka Raphael. Actually, known as Archbishop Kishi. And um, Michael Stan, we met him as well, but he's a, a regional bishop. He's one of a number of bishops who sort of look after and represent churches in the area. Um, below them, you've got presbyters. And so, for example, our senior minister is what is, is recognized as a presbyter, um, Rev Kev, effectively. And um, if you've never met him, he sort of um, oversees the ministry of our entire church. And then we have deacons. And you've got, um, you know Huey, most of you know Huey's the main minister here. It's no change And, uh, uh, but also, um, one of the members in our congregation just, I thought this is helpful because she's part of our gathering here. Um, Susan Arn is also a deacon in the city. 
first one is in verse 2. must be the husband of one wife. It literally reads, a one woman man. So I don't think it excludes unmarried men from the role of overseer. Paul himself talked about the benefit of singleness in 1 Corinthians 7. Nor do I think it excludes women from being a deacon. As we meet Phoebe in Romans chapter 16, who is described as a deacon. So I take it that the underlying principle is faithfulness to a spouse in matrimony. The other one is in verse 4. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. I have a life that is a number of years ago there was a politician. I won't name him, but you can probably guess who he is. This, this happens more than once. And he left his wife and his uh, kids, and he ended up with younger woman who he had worked on a campaign, campaign trail with. And in an interview he said, um, said these words, and I quote, anything that's personal in nature is nobody else's business but mine and my wife's. And that is not true with elders and deacons of God's household. For leaders in the church, you can't say that someone's private life is separate from their public life. For Paul says, if they do not know how to manage their own household, how will they care for God's church? What does it look like to manage your household well? The word manage there literally means the words stand before or stand in front. And so, see chaos and disorder 
someone really helpful said it, do you think you'll be more Christian at church than you are at home? And the answer is you will not be. Manage the household. Number three, consistent and godly speech. This one's a bit quicker. Deacons in particular, do you notice in verse 8, not to be double-tongued. Verse 11, not to be slanderous speech is a vital aspect of the overseer and deacon. Not to be double-tongued. Double-tongued is when you say some one thing to one person, and then you say it a different thing to another person. And the ways in which I observe this happening most commonly is not out of intention, but because we're a church and there's lots of diversity in that group, we can easily spread false things about people and actually um, shape other people's perception of other people, even though we don't mean to do it in an unhealthy way. That's why he says, no, not slanderous as well. Slander. Think of slander someone speaking false things about someone else that damages another person's name. So one way I thought I heard that was helpful to think about slander is that every time we have a conversation with other people, we are carrying the name of that person within our conversation. And as we carry each other's names, then we have the opportunity there to either build people's names or to tear people's names down. Are you speaking things to other people that they do not need to hear that they're not going to benefit from? Will you unintentionally harm someone's name because of the words that will come out of your mouth? The deacon, not to be double-tongued, not to be slanderous. May we all, including myself, repent of the times we've used our speech to tarnish another person's name. Especially for the overseer, public reputation is important. In fact, if you look at verse 2, the very first thing Paul says is that he must be above reproach. The very last thing in verse 7 for the overseer, he must be well thought of by outsiders. Now, many of you know and have read scandals involving the church, not our church that I'm aware of, big scandals church-wide, affairs, sexual immorality, money fraud. And we all know that those big things, often in the category of unfaithfulness or money-related things, they not just damage the reputation of Jesus, but your trust in that leader is gone in an instant. 
progress that requires some falling over, some getting back up, repenting, trusting again, going again. But in our passage, I actually want to finish where Paul frames both the roles. Because yes, it's a high bar. And yes, we want character integrity in our leaders. But I want you to notice the way that Paul describes both these roles. Come with me to chapter 3, verse 1. To the overseer, Paul says, If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. He desires a noble work. Oversight, caring for the flock of God, teaching the word of God, shepherding God's people, is the most most worthy aspiration and pursuit you can have. Men, can I get you to take up the challenge and desire this work more than anything? Our world shapes us to be ambitious about lots of different things. My wife went to a school and the motto was towards higher things. Ambition is part of the world in which we live, but not this kind of ambition. Paul is saying oversight is the most worthy of the works to pursue. Or on the other end of the passage, the deacons, do you notice in verse 13, he says, for those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The oversee is no more worthy task and to serve God's people in the household of God gains you great good standing in the Lord Jesus. He looks upon serving God's people as a wonderful joy and a great thing to do. And there is no greater task or work to pursue than these two things. So especially if you're serving at church, in particular if lately you felt like, I just turn up to church, I don't actually get much out of serving. I feel like I'm giving a lot. I think Jesus would say, you have great standing with me as you keep persevering and keep serving in these roles that you're equipped with. So I just wanted to sort of finish there and encourage us all to pursue and aspire to a task and a work which is absolutely worthy of pursuing. Why don't we pray together? Our gracious God, we thank you that in your kindness, our chief shepherd Jesus has laid the foundation. He's given up his life us together as the church. And in this precious family, Father, we thank you for all those who lead, who teach, who serve, and we thank you that in our weaknesses you still use us. Would you grow each one of us individually as we seek to live consistent, godly lives? Help us to know the ways in which we are struggling and to be open to pray about those things and to pray about those things for our leaders as well. May we uh, aspire and desire this wonderful work that you've given to us. In Jesus' name.